as I think about Jesus in this time and him being the light of the world, it's interesting when you think about light and how it's such a central theme in our nation. For instance, it's reported that 150 million strings of Christmas lights are sold each year in the U.S. Americans spend about $6 billion a year on lights, Christmas lights. Six billion. That's more than a lot of nations' entire economy and income for a year. <clears throat> the Rockefeller Center, which you know, the great Christmas tree here that represents Christmas in our nation, <clears throat> has been there since 1931, and uh, they have 30,000 lights attached to five miles of wiring for a Christmas tree. But what I want to talk to you about for a few moments is the light of the world, not the light of humanity or man. I want to talk to you about the light that removes and dispels the darkness. And that light is Emmanuel, the one called with us, Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't just a historical figure. Jesus is the light of the world. He wasn't just a baby born in a manger. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Jesus came to be the light of the world. He came to stand out. He came to show out. He came to dispel darkness in the world and in our lives. The prophet Isaiah said it wrote about 700 years before Jesus was born. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, and then verse 6, says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Verse 6, for unto, a child, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. It's not talking about our natural government. It's talking about the government of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus is the light of the world, and that light shines through him as our counselor, as our savior, as our everlasting father. And when we think about the idea of Christmas and Christmas lights and how it's commercialized our culture, God sent a plan to dispel the darkness of depression and addiction and fear, brokenness, loneliness, and depression. As we look at the Christmas story and we begin to think about it, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read a few verses just out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm just going to read 22 through 25 because it really has to do with where I want to go with this message. Mark did such a great job last week preaching the Christmas story. <clears throat> it says, so all, was, all this was done, what? The angel visited Mary, angel visited Joseph, and all those things, right? <clears throat> so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, which was Isaiah saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord communicated, commanded him to do, and he took his wife and did not know her 
until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Whenever we think about Jesus, I want you to think about something higher, something other, something bigger, something separate. You see, true holiness, hagios, means separated from an evil use to a God use, separated from a profane use to a holy use. In other words, holiness simply means separated, separate, set apart, or other. As we think about Jesus coming and being that light, light is what separates anything that it comes in contact with that is dark. It exposes it. It brings vision to it. As we think about that, Jesus is the light that separates you and I from the lower life to the higher life. You say, well, what is that? I'm going to tell you in just a moment. When he came to her earth in a human form, we refer to it as B.C. and A.C., and we know that B.C. stands, the initials stand for before Christ, right? I always thought years ago, before I realized this, that A.D. meant after death, right? B.C., before Christ. But it doesn't. A.D. is Anno Domini in the Greek. And Anno Domini, which is Latin, for in the year of our Lord, referring to the year of Christ's birth. It shines light on the light that is to be born. And in contrast, when we think about light and darkness, Jesus came what to save and to save the world from the power of sin. What is sin? Sin is darkness. Sin is separated from light. Light is above. Darkness is beneath. When we consider that Jesus came to save us from the power of sin, well, what is death? We look at death as taking our last breath. We know the scripture tells us death to be absent from the body is what to be present with your Lord. The question is, which God are you going to be present with? And we understand that. And as we think about it, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the biblical term from death, for death is to be separated from God forever. To be separated, to be divided, to be put away from God forever. So we consider facing the darkness of this world. Teenagers and are taking their life as suicide at a higher rate than ever. People's lives are ruled by addiction, by drugs and alcohol and pornography. 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's a little higher in the church. The sex industry, pornography, human trafficking, ravaging not only young women but our young boys and children. Children are going without food and Men and women are living on the streets. So we see that all over any city you're in, including our own. See, Jesus did not come to simply observe what was going on or just simply to be sympathetic. Jesus did what? He came to expel, to cast out darkness from our lives and from our world. So today, no matter what darkness you're facing, today, no matter what you're going through, just remember, through is important. And if you haven't chose Jesus, just remember, he chose you. But what we got to realize, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no man, which means no person. 
And the reason we need to be born again, our body's alive, our mind's alive, our soul, our decision-making resources is alive, but the part of you that is in Christ, the part of you that resembles God, which is spirit, that God said he created in Genesis 2, 7, he hewn man out of the dust of the earth, the red clay, breathed into him, and he became a godlike or a living soul. That part is made in the image and likeness of God in Genesis 1, as you've heard me talk about it many times, when God said, verses 26 and 27, that says, I have created man in my own image. We have, we, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, we have created them, plural, both male and female, in our own likeness to be put in dominion of the earth, of everything that creeps and crawls, everything that flies, to go forth and to subdue. Jesus did not come to be a pacifist or to be passive. Jesus came, it separates, to, even today, families from one another. It separates cities and nations from one another. It separates a great division in the world because you can't stand in the middle. He even said, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, that it's better you be hot or cold, in or out, than be neutral or in the middle because if you are, he will spew you out of his mouth. It's important to understand that Jesus came to participate in the world that was around him. He ate with sinners. He hung out with people that wasn't like him. He was around people that didn't believe what he believed. And what's so amazing, whenever he finally said to his own people, the Jewish people and the Pharisees and the rulers, and he said, and the Sadducees, he, he said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. In other words, you think you're okay, but the season's changing. I'm here now. You were living under the old covenant, the Old Testament, the law of Moses that was given to Moses from God. He said, but when you realize it and search out in the future scriptures, you're going to discover that the law was given, but grace came. And the Bible clearly talks about Jesus is grace, and he came, what? to be the second Adam to restore back what the first Adam gave away. The Bible says it was but appointed one time for a person to die. You were born dead. When your body dies, that's not you. Your body is a vessel to carry the treasure of you and God. Whenever Jesus was asked, what must man do to be saved by Nicodemus in John 3, what did he say? He said, just to enter the kingdom of God, a man must be born again. And Nicodemus said, well, how can I be born again? I'm an old man. My mother's been dead many years. How can I go back into a deceased woman and be born again? And Jesus said, to see the kingdom of God, man must be born of both water and spirit. And Nicodemus never got it. I think he did after the resurrection, but at that time he didn't get it. And what I want you to realize is holiness is other. The kingdom of God is not of this world. The kingdom of God is here to take over this world. The kingdom of God is here to stand the plan of, to establish the plan of God. The kingdom of God is here to establish the John 10, 10 line. Jesus said, Satan come what? To steal kill, destroy. But I, Jesus, have what? Come to give life and to give life more abundantly. 
And what I want you to understand, light divides. It is the divider between John 10.10 of life and death, of sin and holiness. Holiness is other. Holiness is separate. Holiness is above and not beneath. Holiness is where we live the higher life. But we have such a misconception of what holiness is because we establish holiness by rules and regulations. Holiness has to do with the condition of our heart. It has to do with us living in Christ and Christ living through us. If he's in you, he's going to come through you. If he's in you, he's going to be seen. If he's in you, he's going to be heard. If he's in you, he's going to be shown through your life in some capacity on a daily basis so that people will see Jesus, or that's the way it should be. That's what true holiness is. Holiness is about God's grace, not the law. The law, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. What? To establish grace, to establish he, the second Adam, that we can be saved by grace, by Jesus through faith. Think about it for a moment. When his name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us when we're good. He's with us when we're bad. He's with us when we're right. He's with us when we're wrong. He's with us seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And when you, even the fact that you haven't chosen Jesus, he chose you, and he, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he is no respecter of persons. Therefore, he doesn't love a Christian, a preacher, any more than he loves you. And he doesn't love you any more than he does a preacher or a Christian. You see, religion simply means a method, a form of rituals, which can be good or bad. But Jesus is not about religion or rituals. Jesus is about relationship being with you, in you, and for you. And the fact that he died for everyone, the present, the ultimate Christmas present, the Christ present. We say happy holidays. It's not holidays. It's actually holy days. We're celebrating the holy days of God, whether it's Easter, his resurrection, or whether it's Jesus and and him being born, him being birthed. You see, now we throw in all kinds of things and it's become a holiday with all different things and religions and birthdays of humanity that we celebrate. It's okay to celebrate that, but it's not holy days. It's only holy days when it's the holy one that is lifted up and celebrated. God with us. Romans 8, 1 is such a powerful scripture, one simple verse that we don't talk about a lot anymore. We used to talk about it for years here when we began to walk at another level of grace. It says, no There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is not sitting there waiting to, you know, find out what you did right or wrong. He's not Santa Claus. He's the king of kings. He's not sitting there, have you been naughty or nice? The only thing that is condemned is death. And the only way you could experience death again is what if you've never been alive? But if you're born again, you were once dead and now you're alive. In Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, his manifested presence. Remember, I told you a few weeks ago, what? 
On your best day, you're a child of God. But just remember this, on your worst day, you're also a child of God. He's with you. He's for you. He loves you. Whether you accept him or not is your choice. We only have one decision to make, friends. You think you have a lot of decisions. You don't control your heartbeat. You don't control your oxygen. You don't. One little thing can go wrong in your body. One little thing can pop loose and go to your brain and be gone. We had a great man of God, Dennis Giffen, that I love so much here about 17 years ago, pulled out of here from an event we were having, just prayed over an event, pulls out, and by the time he gets down before the Ford dealership went in here, going toward Nicholsville, it was just, going toward Lexington, it was just getting ready to open. A, a woman who was drunk and mad, a middle-aged woman, drunk and mad because her boyfriend broke up with her, came down through there wide open over 110 miles an hour, hit his little car, instantly broke his neck, threw him over into other traffic. He was instantly with the Lord. And I knew how much I loved Dennis. I know Dennis loved me. I know Dennis constantly told me he prayed for me, and I believed Dennis, and he prayed for others. But I didn't understand the power of Dennis. I didn't understand the true influence of Dennis. Dennis had kind of a cocked eye, a little bit heavy and chumpy, about 60 with a gray beard and wavy gray hair. Kind of look at you like this a little bit. Always with a smile on his face, kind of a quiet person in stature until he talked about God. But what blew me away is when we had his viewing the night before his funeral, this building was packed on a weekend. Packed. There wasn't a, we had all the chairs out. I'm saying packed. And as I was standing up and people were waiting in line, and the line was out the door, the, the building was packed, and people were weeping. And I stood there, and there was a young man, about 30, and he looked so angry and mad. He was just standing over Dennis's coffin, and I'm like, I said, hey, son, are you okay? Yeah, I, no, I'm not okay. I said, well, why? He said, you don't understand. I said, what? That man saved my life. That man, I worked with him, and he ministered to me, and he loves me, and he's the only reason I even didn't take my life, that I'm even here today. And I began to tell him about Dennis's Jesus. I was amazed. Another grandmother that had been in our church for years, but had been out in nursing home, been out kind of in and out of nursing homes and different things. And she's weeping. I said, sis, you okay? Yeah, but you don't understand. What do you mean? She said, he called me every week and prayed with me and checked on me. If I needed something, he got it for me. And she had her own son and daughter-in-law in this church and she didn't say that about them. She said that about Dennis. You see, Dennis was a separator. Dennis was a divider. He divided from darkness from light and light from darkness. He divided the lower life from the higher life. And when they saw Dennis, they didn't see a wealthy man. They didn't see a, a man that you know, looked like he carried all this honor. But he is the one that had greater honor than most men that had ever walked this earth. And what is interesting, he was so humble, he didn't even have a clue of the influence he had. He just was the light wherever he was. His funeral the next day, same thing, packed. And it always amazed me, you know, when we say we rest in peace, you know, and someone's there and they're resting in peace. And 
sadly, the only time they find peace is if they're a child of God and go to heaven. But we have a choice as children of God to have peace in, beyond our understanding, the Bible says. We have a choice to live in peace in a time of strife and, strife and turmoil. We have a choice to live in peace and to live in God's love when we don't understand and we don't have, we don't have our questions answered. And it doesn't seem to be going our way for a while or a decade. We only find peace when we take our last breath and we're with the Lord. But that wasn't God's plan. His plan was you walk in peace and you walk in light and you live a life that's above and not beneath. We need to constantly be reminded that Jesus is and always will be the light of this world. And there's no, nothing in addition that we need to live the life he said we could live at a higher level. We are ambassadors of Christ, the Bible says. We have been called to come here and represent the kingdom of God. Jesus said this in the Amplified Bible in Matthew 10, verse 39. It's absolutely the Amplified C Bible, beginning in verse 38. And he said, he who does not take up his own cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conforming wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to me, to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also, is not worthy of me. And and I I wouldn't doubt that 99% of the believers in this room and those listening online, that someone pointed a gun at your head and said, are you going to deny Jesus? are you really a Christian? You'd say yes because you don't want to go to hell. You're like, well, if I deny him, I might die anyway. I might as well say yes. <laughs> but would we really mean it? You see, dying is about dying, not being dead. Salvation is sozo. It means to be being preserved, being saved. It's an it's a arrowist verb in the seven tenses of the Greek language. It's being, it's happening. It's not something that's finished. Oh, yes, when you're in the righteousness of God and you're a child of God, it's not like every day you got to repent to be saved. But what he's saying is every day he's preserving you. Every day he is lifting you. Every day he is taking care of you, whether you accept it or not. But here's the verse I really wanted to get to today, verse 39. Jesus said this, whoever finds his encased lower life We'll lose it. We'll lose it. Lose what? The higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it the higher life. Christmas is a time when we should be focusing on the higher life. You never gave up anything worthy to keep you from Christ. You never gave up anything worthy in this world to go back to this world. There is nothing that man or humanity could give you. We have billionaires every year commit suicide. Money's not the answer. We have pro athletes have tragic deaths of suicide every year. We have children and teens and others. Let me tell you something. All of that, the only way you're going to experience true life is through Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And it's not a life that's lower. It's it's not, it, it would be, To me, for me to be the president of the United States would be a downgrade in my position on earth from being a pastor. 
And if you're an attorney, you're not an attorney. You're an attorney that's supposed to show the light of God. You're supposed to be God's attorney. If you're a doctor, you're not just a doctor. You're a doctor that's supposed to shine the light of God, the holiness and the hope of God. If you're a construction worker, if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, wherever you are, if you're retired or disabled, you are here, what? To show the ability of God to flow through your life and to testify about what he's done for you. I was laughing. I went down. There's a new restaurant, Mexican restaurant. It's an awesome restaurant in Heartland where we live. And I was going down to have, get a pickup order. And this young couple that are so, really love them, they got two beautiful little kids in their early 30s. They're, they're Christians. And they said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm picking up my food. They said, well, while you're waiting, sit down and talk to us. Well, an hour later, I'm talking. My phone was outside of my Jeep, so Steph's like, wonder where he, what in the world's going on with him? It's not, it's not even a mile from our house. And I'm talking, you know what I did? How many of y'all heard my testimony? Yeah. You know, Church of Christ preachers sitting in housing development. I went through the whole thing. Their chins were on the table. And I just felt they needed to hear it. It wasn't to get them saved. It was just for them to realize how, what a blessing it is to be saved. Man. You know, when we come to the place during this time, this season, true worship is being thankful. That's what worship is. Worship is being thankful, giving thanks to our Heavenly Father that He preserved us, that He humbled Himself and came off His throne to die for us, to be born in a cradle and a stable with all the muck and the mire and the stench and the odor. To be born what had become an outcast family and to be a simple carpenter and then be the savior of the world. Just as Jesus had to grow in maturity, the Bible says, in stature, we as Christians should be growing in maturity and stature. Just as Jesus' light began stronger and stronger to be revealed, our light should be revealed. Just as when Jesus was walking to be baptized and John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to baptize you, Master. You should be baptized me. And Jesus said, no. Do as the word says. The Bible says that when he baptized him, the heavens opened up and our heavenly father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It cracked like thunder and everyone heard it. And then the spirit of God, Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove came down and landed on his shoulder. Think about it for a second. The spirit of God came and landed on his shoulder. All of a sudden, God put the spotlight on Jesus. What's the spotlight on Jesus when he was just doing carpentry work or reading the, you know, the, the readings, the scrolls in the church whenever he would go to church as a young kid? It really didn't have the light on him when he was 12 and he was blowing the Pharisees and Sadducees' minds away with, with what he knew, the rulers of how he knew more than they did about God in the Bible. But now the light's on him. And what happened to him? The light's on him. Isn't that exciting? I mean, Tony, that's amazing. The son, you are my son, the son of God. I mean, that'll, that'll raise your rank in the neighborhood right there, right? That'll get you some attention. And then Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. For 40 days and nights to the wilderness, people, no food, no water, no bread. And he wasn't alone. Satan was there tempting him. 
trying to take his sonship, trying to get him to sell out like Adam and Eve sowed out, the first Adam, trying to get him to give in, to roll over, to let up. But Jesus stood strong. And the Bible says when he came out, he moved in mighty great miracles, signs and wonders. Then he read the scroll about Isaiah, that he is the one who come, what heal the brokenhearted, the wounded, cast out devils to open blind eyes, to set the captives free. Well, I was one of those captives. But let me help you. I'm not a captive any longer. I'll, I'll correct it. I'm not a captive of this world. I'm a captive of my Savior. I don't, if, if you're a child of God, you don't have a will. Well, what's God's plan for my life? How about obey? How about love your neighbor as yourself? How about serve one another? How about having more enthusiasm and joy when you give than when you receive or when you take? Somebody say the higher life. So this is a time of year when we're supposed to, now you know my testimony before I was 21, right? I experienced the higher life daily. It was the wrong high. But now I'm higher than I've ever been. I'll never forget going down that little Sunday night with my mom, 17 adults, and Pastor Art Hobbs preaching his heart out in the little Inez Nazarene church. Little hardwood floors and, you know, the, the prayer, kneeling prayer in front of the altar. Lime green carpet runner. See, I don't know if these people are old enough to know what a carpet runner is. You know what that is? That's back when they didn't want you to mess their carpet up and they'd row out this little thing like a runner. Well, they had it on the hardwood floor. So it was like it was a little lime green, thin, almost like paper, but it was their carpet runner. And when I stepped out on that thing, it was like nothing could hold me back. And I went that night, and I gave my life to the Lord, and I experienced a true higher life. And when I walked out that evening, the sky was brighter, the stars were bright, everything was different. Now, it didn't stay that way, because life happens. Many times, like you, sometimes weekly or daily, I have to make a decision and say, okay, it's not about me. It's about him, and it's about others. We all have to make those decisions what, to choose the higher life. Anytime you choose another person above yourself, you chose the higher life. Anytime you chose to give a smile to a person that's sitting there alone and lonely, you chose the higher life. Anytime you choose to sacrifice, to give, to serve, to sow, to love on the behalf of your heavenly father, that's sacrifice. And the way up with God is down. I said the way up with God is down. When we're down on our knees, when we're humbled in our heart in the form of prayer, it's cool to hear your big cool prayers, but I want to know if there's an attitude of prayer in your heart. Well, prayer, you know, communing and conversing with God, asking and receiving from God, being in communion with him, because if you're in communion with him, you won't be doing all the asking for yourself and the receiving for yourself. 
You'll be so consumed with those you come in contact with or know or love, and you know how much they need him. And you'll be so broken that you will have a contract, a prayerful heart, and an attitude of prayer. Mm. The higher life. To go up in the kingdom of God, you go down. To live, you got to die. That's why it's only appointed but one time for man to die. What is that? You're dead. You're born dead. But when you give your life to Christ, what the real you, the spirit in the image like is born again. The you that's going to live forever. That it, he is born again inside you. You are born again. You become a kingdom child. You become one who is commissioned, commissioned, co-mission means the same mission to live the higher life. Well, what kind of life is that? He who is saved and baptized shall cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel with signs following. The higher life is not looking for a sign. The higher life is leaving a sign so that people know whose kingdom you're in and whose child you are. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. His spirit, his kingdom, his glory. That's why the word glory doxa means God being seen or visible. It means splendor, lit up, bright. So it has multiple meanings. So what I want you to realize is that God should light up your life so that others could see the light that's in you and that's on you. He said, he didn't just say he was the light of the world. What? He gave you the opportunity to be the light of the world, to follow him, to choose what? The higher life, the life that's in light and not darkness. <clears throat> I love what Matthew 5, verses 14 and 15 says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, <clears throat> nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house, what, the household of faith, a child of God living in the kingdom of God. I was telling Steph, Katie, and she probably had Brian cut these, I'd say, but I love how these trees are here and the candles are, isn't that so cool? That we are the light of the world. He said, if you, if you don't give a drink of water in my name, they can't have it. If you don't give bread in my name, they won't have bread. If you don't take care of the widows and the orphans, they won't be taken care of. See, we, we do all this voting and this, that, and that's fine. You should vote. I vote. We all should vote. But, but, but I can't depend on the government of this world. I'm not of this world. I'm a visitor. I'm an ambassador from another world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. No weapon formed against me from this world can prosper as long as I let my light shine for God. Yeah, but what if you suddenly die? I win. I'll be with him. 
You can't lose when you've been born again. You can't lose when you become his light in the world. There's no way of losing. We as Christians so many times live like losers. Walk around in fear and depression and anxiety. Worry about 99% of the things that's never going to happen anyway. That's living in a basket. That's living in darkness. I'm going to read this verse, then we're going to pray. Luke 22, beginning verse 26. Jesus said to his disciples, but among you it will be different. So hopefully you're different than you were before, right? Those who are the greatest among you should be the lowest rank, and the leader should be be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, not in this kingdom, for I am among you as one who serves. Jesus laid his life down and died for us. Jesus came to serve us so that we can lay our life down for him and we can serve others. In the last verse, Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your light shine this week when it's frustrating and tense as it always is at family gatherings. Let your light shine when you're in a hurry and you're in a rush. I'll have to let Steph drive us to Columbus so I can let my light shine. <laughs> We're going to Columbus after service today. I'll have to let her drive so I can stay holy today. Yeah, thank God it's not by works, but by his spirit, says the Lord. That gives me hope. 